If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. Please stay tuned for the end of this podcast where we will go over our full disclosures. Welcome to the Money Vikings Podcast, where we conquer financial freedom. Join Greg, Jerry, and Bob as they discuss everything investing and personal finance. The Money Vikings Podcast is hosted by three dads who are doing what they can each day to burn down debt and build wealth. Learn the path to true wealth. Their podcast and website, moneyvikings.com, is a treasure trove of ideas. So without further ado, here they are, the Money Vikings. Man, I cannot get over how awesome our theme song is. <laughs> Welcome to the Money Vikings podcast number 27, everybody. Happy socially distanced Super Bowl Sunday, everyone. Do not pass the chips. Join us as we fly to space with Dogecoin and explore the book, The New Market Wizards. Bob and Jerry, how you guys doing? Oh, man. Uh, I, can't, I can't hear you up here. This is, this is, this is high, man. I'm... Yeah. Oh, you're you're already at the moon. Right? I'm close to the moon. Dogecoin uh, rocket. Yeah. <laughs> you know, guys, I heard a good one this week. Um, we are going to dive into a little Dogecoin here, but uh, a friend of mine said, "I asked like, how are you doing?" And he said, um, "Pandemic fine." And I thought that really <laughs> right. I thought that really God that nails it. Yeah, that yeah. really nails it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we always start our show, everybody, of course, with talking about like what's going on at the moment. We Today, we're going to talk about a really cool book called Market Wizards. and uh, Unknown Jerry, Market Wizards. Unknown Market Wizards. Thank you, Jerry. Sure. So Jerry's going to walk us through Unknown Market Wizards. Um, but you can't, right now, if anybody knows what's going on, you got to talk about Dogecoin. And I just, here's the deal, guys, and this is what I want you to kind of unpack for me. And the show is not about Dogecoin, but it's fun to talk about because we do we do cover crypto um, and, and Bob has some really good uh, lessons learned from Dogecoin that we want to share with all of you. But here's, here's my kind of beginning take, guys. Does it, number one, does it harm the crypto space? It's kind of like a joke. It's kind of fun. But we were making a little money on it and we're charting. But here's my analogy. Let's say the guy that invented the dollar, right? He's like, oh, like that. I'm saying he's the guy that invented Bitcoin and Ethereum. He's like, I invented the dollar. It's really awesome. We don't need to carry bags of rice and gold and cattle with us anymore. We can use these dollars. And then his like silly friend who was brilliant, who's like Elon Musk from 500 years ago, was like, <laughs> well, yeah, that's really cool. But but I'm going to make the fart buck. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? And, and, and he's like, I'm spreading, you know, I'm spreading fart bucks. Stinky dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. The, the guy's like, no, no, no. Like, he's like, no, 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 man. I, I've got this thing. It's called the dollar. And it's like really a cool invention. Like, you just got to see the stack of bills. I can just carry this with me anywhere oh, when I like dollar. travel in my covered wagon. And I don't need to bring like 50 cattle. And, you know, I can just bring these yeah. bills. But the guy's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Fart buck to the moon. And the guy's like, well, we can't travel <laughs> to the moon. That's impossible, you idiot. Right. So what's going on with with um, with Dogecoin is that um, if you 
our listeners out there want to look into uh, hidden bearish and hidden bullish divergence formations, um, you will find out that Dogecoin, the actual chart pattern, trades on that to a T. There is there is only the only deviation from that is if a whale comes in at one night or one day and decides that they just want to throw, you know, sell, you know, a billion Doge at one time and it it nosedives and then all of a sudden they buy, you know, buy back. And a billion That's- Doge is like twenty dollars, right? It's like $20. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's about that, right? Um, so that that's the thing is the, the only time you see those sort of deviations is when you do have a, a, a heavy holder drop something or there is um, something like Elon Musk out there yeah. uh, pumping it on Twitter. And, it's like and, Elon Musk's peso. Right, right. <laughs> it's like his space peso. Let's call it. You know what? We just made that up, guys. It's called. It's, yeah. it's Elon Musk's space peso. Yeah. But wait, it's like it's funny because when he when Elon Musk like sends something out, he all he has to do is just make a comment, and it's it's just kind of like Musk has spoken. <laughs> oh, and I then, know. Like everybody just has to, and that's what I think, guys. I mean, this yeah. this whole thing, and this wasn't a show at Dogecoin, but it is really interesting to watch. It but it's a it's a huge commentary on markets and social media and yeah, influence. billionaire influence. Um, yep. Because I I have to imagine that there's some. That some of the serious crypto people that are, you know, behind like Ethereum and stuff. I mean, they might think it's funny, but I think part of, I mean, these are, there's people that are actually trying to build things that like matter, right? They're trying to like really, and I'm not, I'm not, yeah, but Doge isn't, might, isn't Doge, I mean, Bitcoin is open source and all the code for the blockchain and the tokens and the, you know, the coins themselves can be cloned on GitHub. So, I mean, it's it's sort of out there for anybody to create their own coin. I'm not saying it's that mm-hmm. easy, but uh, it's the same. It's the you got wallets, you have Platforms, uh, right? yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. you have all the same type of actors and uh, mm. and, and uh, use cases sending sending uh, wallets and stuff. So, whether right. or not it was created as a joke, I mean, yeah, it's it's funny, but I mean, it still has has utility. Um, one other difference is that it's not finite like uh, Bitcoin. I think you were getting to that, Greg, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's no, uh, they're never going to run out. They can keep being uh, created as their mind, right? Okay, you bring up a really interesting point, Jerry. So you're saying that because it's part of the same ecosystem, it still adds value to the whole thing. It's yeah. Kinda, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I can get behind that. Okay, I got it. No, that's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's been fun. It's fun to watch. I mean, I got to tell you that. Yeah. It's entertaining as hell. Yeah. And and the other interesting thing too, it is entertaining, is that when Musk tweets something about Twitter or uh, not Twitter, uh, Tesla, uh, you know, he gets in big trouble by the SEC. But Bob was making this point earlier that, like, I think it was you, Bob, that you mm-hmm. said like he can he can pretty much tweet whatever he wants about this coin, and he's not going to yeah. get in any trouble. It's the people's coin, right? Nobody right, can right. stop him or shut him down. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's like it. Amazing. Yeah, okay, yeah. folks. Well, I mean, that's our, I, I mean, you know, we'll continue to, to watch this and, and we're messing around with it. So, you know, you make a couple hundred bucks here and there or whatever. Um, I'm not putting the 401k in it at this point. No, uh, no, no, I don't think so. Oh, well, I don't no. think so. I'm well, the, the, yeah. guy, the guy that I cashed invented, out and put it all in there. Dude. <laughs> it's just that, that guy that invented barf buck. I keep going <laughs> yeah. at the parties. And then, uh, and then I, and then I just say, and then I just say YOLO and say, Hey, the man's not going to take this money from me. I'm going to say YOLO and just like crash. <laughs> you know? Right on. Makes sense. 
Well, let's let's dive into it. So today uh, we're kind of continuing. It's funny we 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 started last week with our book club <laughs> series, um, but we seem to be thrown off each week by like current events, right? That are yeah. so wacky <laughs> that we have to talk about them. But yeah. uh, but we've got a book, um, Unknown Market Wizards, and uh, the best traders you never heard of. Um, so you want to kind of launch us, Jerry? And yeah, what, sure. Uh, what you're thinking? I would be happy to. So uh, this is written by. A guy named Jack Schwager. He's got a whole series of Market Wizards books, and it's kind of become like a, I don't know, sort of like a Bible to uh, many traders. I've I've browsed, you know, various editions of uh, Market Wizards, and a lot of people say that they just read it every year at the beginning of the year in January. They'll read uh, not unknown Market Wizards that just came out, but they'll read Market Wizards, the original or some edition of it, just to kind of get their chops ready for the year, if you will. Uh, and and just kind of keep ingraining best practices and 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 uh, you know mental and psychological types of uh, things that are going to help uh, people make uh, profitable trades. So he's basically sort of scanned the world, looking for the best traders, the so-called best traders that he could find or talk to. And he's gone to some real famous ones uh, in the past. I think. Uh, there's one Paul Tudor Jones. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. You guys may know a few others. I don't recall all of all of their names. But this book here is about is just released this year, late last year. Unknown market wizards, people that uh, maybe sort of well, they're having great success, but you haven't really heard of them. You don't know much about them, and they have some different uh, skills and, and uh, ways that they trade. So he's he's talked with about ten or fifteen different traders in this book interviewed them and then he he collapses it all into a real nice succinct chapter with each trader and at the end he summarizes them all with kind of lessons learned and they all have different trading techniques but one thing i'll say that they all have in common is risk management that's probably one of the key things yeah so i'm i'm excited for today just to kind of go through some of the highlights of the book with you i i don't necessarily have every single trader's name in every section um but you know we'll put the link to the book up on amazon if you want to download it hard copy or kindle um and and it's it's a quick read and it's great and he's got shorter versions too there's one i think uh the little book of market wizards so if you don't feel like reading an entire novel you know it's just the summary of some of the best practices that he's seen in traders instead of a chapter it's like a page on each trader or if you have if cool. you have ADD like if, most of us yeah mm, yeah same. audiobook, <laughs> audiobook <laughs> too. what percentage of traders have ADD oh jeez tell me about it <laughs> okay well actually he covers ADD in the book too it's it's very That's interesting wow. yeah yeah one of the traders uh i think it's chris camillo from uh dumb money <laughs> You're, have oh, you wow. seen that YouTube uh, channel, Dumb Money? No. Yeah, I think he's got ADD and he talks about think... it and how it affects his trading. Wow! Yeah. But he knows it. But he knows his strengths and his weaknesses. Know thyself. Yeah. Right. Well, what he says is that ADHD helps him focus on the thing that he's most interested in. It's not that you're going onto one thing and then going to another and another. It's just that you can have intense focus, but it's only on something that you're interested in. So if it happens I mean, to be I, trading, perhaps no. that's a, uh, an edge for you or a plus. I mean, I, I will tell you, I, I'm the example of that. I've, I have ADHD and I take medication for it and I, I can uh, definitely agree with that. Okay. Oh, I, you guys have seen, you know, I, I showed you that screenshot of my screen when yeah. doing the doge trades yeah. is it, it. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Cause I, you're focused. 
I can see because I have visual and I, I'm constantly able to cycle through the screens at one time and it does keep me engaged nice. because at mm -hmm. least my eyes and my brain are staying busy um, without me having to. Yeah. Can I add one more thing? Do you guys think that it's also about, I mean, because one, what this reminds me of too is a, a theme I've been thinking about a lot lately with investing is that, you know, none of us can do it all. There's so many Right. like ways to invest and trade. And you kind of have to find, I feel like those focal area, focus areas. Right. So, yeah. As you, just my as you speak concern. right now, uh, Musk continues to tweet with a uh, Dogecoin instructional video. <laughs> I, I, I don't know uh, what he's up to. <laughs> hey, um, I think we should, we should uh, take a commercial break real quick and then uh, we'll uh, get right back to this. Okay. Okay, so we're back, everybody. Uh, continuing on with our discussion about unknown market wizards, uh, our new overlord, Elon Musk and Dogecoin, <laughs> distracted us for a moment. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, so as I was saying, The Unknown Market Wizards, fantastic book. I went through, I read it on the Kindle, and I kind of highlighted a bunch of really interesting quotes that really resonated with me, and I wanted to share them with you guys. Tried to divide it up into the mental consistent profits, psychology, having a plan, get good at taking losses, using stops. So let's just kind of get into these themes like self-sabotage, just all kinds of interesting. It's more a psychology book than anything else to be yeah, all completely of honest. Is psychology, it really is. Isn't it? it really is. You're at war with yourself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. That's yeah. Right. So the first quote is having a sound mental state of mind to do these trades, uh, to facilitate outstanding trades. You need to be doing nothing in between. I asked myself, am I in a state of readiness? Am I fully prepared? Am I wasting my financial capital and mental capital on subpar trades instead of waiting patiently for the real opportunities? So I love the idea that trades, not just uh, financial capital, but there's also mental capital as well. And like this Dogecoin that we're experiencing right now, we're really kind of hyper-focused on this. That is not really like the long-term type of, of trading strategy that we're talking about here. It's, mm -hmm. you know, you want to invest in uh, Berkshire or J&J, you're looking for the right entry point. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about here. What do you, what do you guys think of that? Do you ever have uh, trades well, that are just kind of stuck in your head? Or, yeah, uh, but you reminded me of something that I just heard recently. I was watching a uh, video, you mentioned Berkshire, with Warren Buffett. And someone asked him, they said, well, what do you think about technology XYZ and this and that? And he said, he basically said, I don't know. He said, I don't know those things. And I don't focus on them. And this was coming from the greatest investor in the world. And someone was asking, like, you know, autonomous driving. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. And my, my point is this. It's not like you're saying. It's not that those are bad areas to invest. But him as an investor, he he's in the right state of mind mm -hmm. and he's and he's extremely patient with mm -hmm. with knowing himself. And he takes his financial capital, the use of that seriously mm -hmm. and his mental capital. And he basically has decided I'm going to put my mental and financial capital into the uh, the 10 things that I'm interested in and know. Yes. So anyway, yeah. Just... I am. Um, I tend to ask myself uh, if, if Musk Lord has spoken. <laughs> and then uh, yes, I go from right. there. And, and, well, uh, I mean, hey, and you no know, to buy that's not not to rag on that, Bob. I mean, I mean, Musk has actually, as in terms of investors, I don't really think he has a track record of ever leading an, of an investor astray. I mean, if you started with him with PayPal, and you went and you went through right. and you went through Tesla, and if you were lucky enough to be private equity in SpaceX, I don't know. Musk has a good track record, man. He does. 
I've I've really kind of taken this to heart about the mental capital. Let me read you another quote related to it about psychology. They say, Mm -hmm. don't trade so large that fear dominates your training. You want decisions to be driven by your prefrontal cortex rather than your amygdala. It's so critical to avoid marginal trades because they waste money and psychological capital. Huge. Nailed it. I love that one. And and as a result, I've kind of tried to scale back. I mean, I read this book and I made my own rules and I sort of took what works for me. And one of them is don't have more than five ongoing trades in mm. your, uh, and I do that in, uh, in my tasty works account. I mean, I violate it sometimes, but yeah. I really try to stick with five trades and I want those to be the trades I'm managing. I'm understanding the risk on all of them. And, and, you know, there's no one trade that's distracting me with, all the others being ignored. That's a good one, Jerry. I've been doing better about that myself lately because there was a time where I had way too much stuff going on. Yeah. And I was just sort of like jumping at every, uh, and they, you know, they were all like neat ideas. And I was like, I want to go to this one, that one, and this one. Right. But yeah, uh, at one point, you know, I had a list of 35 things I was tracking and no, that wasn't going to, it didn't work for me. So I think I'm down to like 12 sort of areas. Cool. And which is probably too much as well, but it's better than 30, right? It, whatever works for you. Nobody in that book said five. I made up five and I'll Mm -hmm. adjust it to 10 if I think I can do 10. But right now I'm sticking with five. I'll see how that works. And and honestly, it's working a little better. I'm getting a little more consistent profits. I just think Bob ought to focus on uh, a company called MVIS, MVIS, which I just heard about um, a couple weeks ago. And I was thinking Bob might want to do a deep dive on it. Hey. Um, Okay. I, anyway, I will. I will. I will swan dive. We digress. And put on my scuba tank. <laughs> if you want to do deep dive, hey, we'll, you know, we'll Bob. Who, who who am I to criticize? If you're making money and you're yeah. interested in it, then don't listen to me. Okay. Hey. All right. Hey. <laughs> the next one, kind of also related to psychology, and I'm hopping around a little bit, but I think these these go well together. Have a plan. Defining your trade management plan before you get into a trade is far preferable to doing so after you have placed the position. Why? Because before you are in the trade, you have the advantage of making decisions with full objectivity. Once you are in the position, you lose this advantage. Huge. Hmm. Huge. Mic drop. <laughs> well, drop these it. are all that's mic a, drops. I mean, yeah, I didn't write these. These are great, though. That's that's Jerry, that's a really good one because you're absolutely right. The minute you pull the trigger and you get into that trade, whether it be a straight up just buy, uh, and hold, or like you're saying, an options trade. I mean, you're, you're basically, you're at the, you're, you're moored to the market, right? You're yeah. at the whim, your capital is flailing in the wind of the market. Financial and, so, and psychological. Financial and psychological. Absolutely. And so I really like that because that is going to make me think hard about entry points. Um, exit and, points. And, right. Exit points, <laughs> my time frame. Um, the amount of capital that I'm putting at risk, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. So yeah, that's that's really good. I'm liking that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this guy says after losing you know millions of dollars, and he really started to come up with a plan. He said it was the first time I ever wrote a trading plan. I did it mainly for my wife to convince her that it was a good idea to resume trading rather than to do something else. That was a rough. That was a rough uh, dinner that day when you came home <laughs> I, after losing millions. That was a rough. Yeah, you know I that would was, imagine that that gave a new. That's a new form of barf coin. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I think I think dinner was probably in separate buildings at that point. Uh, they I, I don't know how you face. have that phone call. Yeah. Uh, that conversation. Um, uh, 
I'm never putting that much at risk. Yes, got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's but great example of just a lot of the theme. One of the themes we always talk about in the show, you know, we love to dive into these active trading strategies, but people have to realize we are not doing that with the majority of assets with majority right. of assets. We're actually, we're actually very conservative investors, right? With the majority of our assets. Yeah. Yeah. But we do like to take some and have fun. So anyway, yeah. And make money, of course. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so. And and he says too, if there's anything in your approach that is uncomfortable, you need to figure out how to change it. Oh, these you need are, to you find, right. you need to find, they're yeah, they're all mic drops, right? The they thing, really are. To succeed in the markets, you have to find a methodology that you are comfortable trading. So what works for Greg may not work for Jerry, may not work for Bob. That one, so that quickly just makes me think back to a few weeks ago when I talked with you guys about, I, you know, I, I have been getting into Bitcoin and Ethereum quite a bit lately. And it's kind of a funny role reversal because Jerry introduced me to all this stuff. But there was a point where I had quite a bit of Bitcoin and I really could not, I was happy with some of the returns, but I could not stomach, I was looking at the amount, the yeah. dollar amount, not the Bitcoin, like the actual Bitcoin amount, but the dollar amount. And, and I, and I, and I thought to myself that tomorrow, I, and literally this could happen. I could wake up in the morning and let's say that was $40,000. I could wake up in the morning and that could be like 15 grand. And I was like, can I really deal with that? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I could, I could not, yeah. I could not, I, I had to pull back on my position. Yeah. Here's, I mean, here's what I'll say, because I know we, we talked about this too offline uh, outside of the podcast, but I think what, what people need to understand is with the cryptocurrencies is that the only time you're going to, you would have cryptocurrency not have any value. So it's not like tomorrow it would go to zero, like if you have Bitcoin, because that would then mean that you had to have some sort of institution like the Fed say that they are not providing any tangible asset like the dollar or something like our gold to have an equivalent value to a cryptocurrency, to a blockchain. Mm. They would have to come out and say that. So as of right now, they haven't made any statement saying that there is no support from the Fed of a financial component that has equivalent value to Bitcoin. Well, okay, fair enough, Bob. And I don't want to go too far into like cryptos, but like at the same time, I hear you saying, but Fed chairmen's and officials do make comments that are that can be sometimes negative to crypto and they right. drop yep you know they 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 do drop now i, I agree with you i don't see it going to zero well the fed can I, say but, things but, about uh you know the interest rates and the the s p 500 could drop too yeah that's true that's true yeah all right you guys i will so and sorry that got off a little little off from the topic, but I, I will say the Jerry swing circling back a little bit to the, the topic here of the, the psychology and stuff like that. It, it's, it's, um, definitely in touch with something that we have talked about in the past when, you know, somebody is more of an options trader like myself, I, you know, Jerry, you know, you dabble quite a bit in the different experiments with, with options that when you start losing money, people need to, instead of, you know, just throwing, throwing the towel in the ring. It's really stepping back to the basics, to the root of investing, which is investing, right? Mm -hmm. It's about having the long-term stance or long-term hold, buying the stock, not the option yes. um, and playing mm -hmm. it that way because it doesn't mean you're done. Right. But if you put all of your eggs in one basket in options and they all were, you know, expired worthless, then you have zero to start off of. But mm -hmm. I definitely think it's the psychology of like, don't throw on the towel at that point. Just step back to basics. Yeah. And you could still be successful. And another uh, thing they suggest in the book too, 
is, and I've done this numerous times over my short trading career. I'm still learning. We all are, but uh, just lower your um, your exposure just overall. Yeah. Have smaller positions until you get that confidence back and you feel a little more comfortable taking on more risk. Even if you yeah. have more capital, you don't necessarily need to use it all. Right. Yeah, you've gotten me into that more and more. You said that to me a while ago, and I've really taken that to heart. Yeah, I do. I do actually listen to you, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you too, Bob. I listen to I you actually as it. well. Um, wait, hold on. I told you to buy uh, MVIS at a dollar fifty. I'm I'm still waiting to hear where you're at. MVI. I tried yeah. MVIS a couple hey, times, man. Love you, bro. Show on that. Love you. It, love it you, never bro. worked out for me. Okay. <laughs> It's never too late. It's never but too hey, late. I'm, too late. I, I'm all in on doggy, man. I'm doing. I'm looking doggy? at my doggy Dodge? right now. I got Whatever my doji. I'm doing the Shibu Inu. Is that what it's called? Shibu Inu? I don't know. Let's talk about consistent profits in trading. That sounds like a good thing, right? Consistent yeah. profits in Absolutely. trading. Right? That's yeah. what we all want. I, I think I want that. Yeah, yes, I please. do too. <laughs> yeah. We all do. Yeah. So here's, here's the kind of, here's the, uh, the quote on that. That's, it's very interesting. So it's going to blow your minds. Be ready and discuss. <laughs> okay. So good. It is also virtually impossible to succeed at trading if you are dependent on trading profits to pay your living expenses. <laughs> this is just one trader's uh, view, but we can talk about it. The moral is be sure you really want to trade and don't confuse wanting to be rich with wanting to be trade. Unless you love the endeavor, you are unlikely to succeed. A lot of losing traders I have known thought they had to make money consistently. They had a paycheck mentality. They felt they had to make a certain amount every month. The reality is that if you go through long periods when you don't make anything or even have a drawdown, and then you can later maybe have a substantial gain. So the idea is that, and I felt this, I was putting pressure on myself every month, every week to have positive P&L, positive return. And when I didn't, I just really kind of was hard on myself and yeah. it didn't, didn't feel good. But I think I'm trying to break out of that way of thinking. And it's like, it's okay if I have a month or two of not so great trades. There's other other things we can try, like maybe lowering the amount of exposure in the market or like, don't mm -hmm. do this kind of options trade so much. Try something that's working for you. Yeah, the pressure wow. to try and, you know, I want to retire. I want to trade full time. That would be awesome. It would be, but it's maybe not the right way to think about it. Do it because you love it. Right. I, that is amazing. Let, let me add, if I could, these are really inspirational. They're, they're like making me think of all this stuff. I, to me, that also speaks to just a holistic approach to everything about your personal finances. You've got to take a step back and look at the mm -hmm. whole picture. And that's why you would want to read the moneyvikings.net, moneyvikings.com, mm -hmm. <laughs> because we do take a holistic approach. And actually, I'm being serious. We have, a, we, have we, we analyze every facet of personal finance and investing. We look at the whole picture. You've got to look at you got to look at your budget. You got to look at your housing. You got to look at your kids. You got to look at retirement. You have to keep all these things. You got to look at healthcare. You know, get this holistic thing. Options trading and trading and investing in general is, in my mind, it's one weapon or one tool in your complete approach mm -hmm. to survival and making this all work. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, and maybe I'm using the wrong words, but, you know, it's one tool or one skill set. You know, and you're developing that skill set and that knowledge, um, but that has to be applied in 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 a holistic approach to everything personal finance. So that's basically I, my, let me my point. let me also add to this real quick. If you pay the the cost of going to the Money Vikings and being part of the club, which is um, zero dollars, <laughs> you actually get access to all that information as well, where you could go pay 
lots of money to another site and get less information than it's provided. So we don't just, give it, we don't give advice, but we have a lot of information. We have a lot of access to information. So just let me put that out there. Another one is taking losses, getting a big theme of the book. A lot of traders did discuss was get good at taking losses. It sounds counterintuitive, mm. but they say a trader's job is to take losses. A losing trade doesn't imply you did anything wrong. The hard part about trading is you can do the right thing and still lose money. There's not a direct feedback loop that tells you, good job. I only have controls over the orders I place. I don't have control over the outcome of the trades. Whenever I place a trade, I think a year from now, when I look back at the chart, will I be able to see in the chart on the day I placed the trade, you know, was it a decent trade? You know, looking back a year later, if the answer is yes, then it's a good trade, regardless of whether it wins or loses. You're sticking to your methodology. Wow. This is, I love this one about taking losses and keeping that in mind. That is, this is, yeah, these are so, yeah. so I, I have a quick story about that. I, um, I've had the experience over the last <clears throat> couple of years of assisting, uh, manage a, a rather large portfolio. And when I, uh, this is a friend of ours and I was helping them out after someone passed away. But anyway, bottom line is this. When I was helping them out and looking at this portfolio, um, it was frankly in kind of a funk. Okay, it was it was it was kind of it was kind of a mess, and it was in it was in things that were it had been it had been neglected for quite some time, and uh, and there were some hard decisions to make in the beginning. Some losses had to be taken, but this thing really need to needed to be re-engineered to to be set up for future success, okay? Mm -hmm. um, to, to manage risk and to capture growth opportunities. It was yep. doing neither of those. The way this thing looked when it came in is it was, it was highly uh, leveraged into some risky things and it was not prepared for success. So it was like this really bad um, situation. Yeah. Kind of, I helped them out, get them, you know, get them on track. But, but there were hard times during that process because we had to take some losses, and uh, I had to help this person through that. And they were getting really married to mm -hmm. like, well, yeah. I, you know, my X Y Z bought this one, and we like that one, and we that company. And I was like, yeah, but first of all, you're overexposed. It's not going anywhere. It doesn't even pay a dividend. This was for a very uh, much older person that should have been in a more conservative dividend aristocrat, you know high yield, you know, or a bond type portfolio. But uh, anyway, it just gets me to that mindset of like, again, you, sometimes you got to take those losses and get yourself prepared. Yeah. You've got now in the future. I'll leave it at that. Sure. It. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's good stuff. Yeah. And this one is very similar to what you were just saying about taking losses, but this one's about uh, kind of using stops, which is a uh, programmatic way of taking losses. If you're if your uh, capital goes below a certain threshold or your underlying, you know, doesn't do what you want. People have a difficulty in cutting losses because they are afraid of getting out of the trade and then seeing it go in their direction. It's an ego thing. I was making the same mistake yeah. for years. I would get into a trade, put in my stop and then see the position trade at a loss for ages, but without hitting my stop. If you entered a trade and it went the wrong way, don't be afraid to get out before waiting for that stop to hit. You're using capital that could be better put elsewhere and you will end up kind of taking reduced losses over time. Oh man, mm -hmm. this is that, that again, that, that just smacks me right in the head with that experience. I just had the last couple years with that portfolio. It was just like that because it was, it was, it was a tough pill to swallow, but I, I just knew looking at this portfolio, I was like, this thing is, this thing is set up to languish and lose. 
And, and the person was like, well, yeah, but you know, we said no more this and no more that. And we're stuck. And it was like, no, you're stuck. I mean, you got to get <laughs> yeah. you, cut the, cut the losses and take the capital you have off the table and reconfigure for what's happening now. Yeah. Great. I love it. If you are hoping a trade will work, you are gambling and not trading. Uh, it's a big one on hoping and, and conviction is a big theme in the book too, just having conviction. Um, and, and it's sort of all over the place because not every trader has the same uh, feeling or mentality, but there's a, there's a good trader in there named Brandt. I think it's Peter Brandt. And his motto is strong opinions weakly held. The implication is that you should have firm conviction when you enter a trade, but you should be quick to abandon that position if the trade moves against you. Okay, thought, guys. Wait, wait, hold on. I thought stock prices moved off hopes and prayers. No? <laughs> well, uni unicorn farts. That's <laughs> not how they work. I mean, this one is. These are so huge, man. These these are. are just these, these are so huge. This one. Okay, I've got to bring this up, guys. This yeah. one reminds me of my girlfriend Kathy Wood. Have you heard <laughs> of her or over at Ark Investments? Uh, side, side piece, side piece. Yes. <laughs> No, but the reason the, the reason I say that is when I watch the videos of her and of Arc, and again, I you know this isn't an Arc commercial, but they are they they have conviction, and I know this that's right. more in I and I you know I fancy myself more of an investor <laughs> than yeah. a trader, but uh, but I, well, I, mean, I do, well, do well. some trading as you guys know, but I I really do my my style definitely veers much more into the investing, but here's the deal, I, what I like about watching Kathy and the Arc funds is that. Yeah, they have they have that conviction, and they're. I mean, perfect example is Tesla. I mean, pe people were laughing. I I read the the uh, social media posts four or five years ago when she was saying, "No, no, no, you guys, you're not understanding. Tesla is going to X, Y, blah, blah, Z, and it's going to go." And everyone was like, "Ah ha ha! What an idiot!" I mean, seriously, she was called names. It was like, "What an idiot!" Oh, she must like, have so read my tweets then. <laughs> oh come on in the way you weren't yes, a hater you are, no you hate way but seriously uh you know but but they they had the conviction that they were like no no we're gonna now i i don't know it, do, it doesn't mean keep going if they're losing but they believed in what they were doing yeah so yeah anyway I'm just throwing I, it out there. Uh, another another quote i realized that i was in a position hoping for it to work the second that i realized i was hoping and i was not trading anymore i immediately liquidated everything that lesson has stuck with me to this day i never want a position where i'm hoping it'll work if i had to go through that experience uh to know the difference between a trade where i have full conviction and a trade where i'm hoping if you hope a trade will work Get out if you find yourself hoping a trade will work. This is a sure sign that you lack conviction. Wow, huge! Mm, interesting. Yeah, love it. Yeah. I love it. And 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 you know, and Bob, I got to throw you a bone here. You have conviction on NBA. He does. And, he does. He has conviction in in all those trades. He I, does. I, he has, I, he has conviction. Say, I mean, let me, you you I will come this. up with a reason and you go go with it, or you find the reason and you <laughs> go with it. Well, but here's here's the thing though: so, is that but you see, you guys have seen me. We've sat here before and looked at charts. Um, and you've, you've, you know, I, I really cherish an honor that when people come to me and ask like, Hey, what do you think about this stock? And I pull it up and look at the charts and just try to look at fundamentals of it. And I, I'm honored to do that with everybody, but I will, that are brilliant people that have done due diligence. They have archived the information and they become subject matter experts in it. Um, and heavily invested and they've been invested in it longer than I have. And mm -hmm. if, 
if I can go to a, to a, a stock that I'm interested in, and if I can go find a page or some community that is as deeply vested in the due diligence, like I have seen with MVIS, I would buy into that stock. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't see that everywhere. Mm-hmm. You don't, you, you see these, you know, Wall Street bet Reddit pages where somebody put up something about GME and how it's going to be, you know, uh, $300 a share because they, they sell video games and I like playing video games. Mm-hmm. I, it's like, or you have microvision where somebody has in-depth teardowns of the prod of a product with my, you know, microvision technology stats, sheets, people that, that are, you know, mechanical engineers that know how these things work. And it's like, wow, these guys really know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, and I'm glad you brought it up Greg, cause that's why me with microvision is that I, believe in what they have. And I, and I sure as hell can see the quality of what they have over companies like Luminar or, uh, so like, like Voozy or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I, it's child's I play compared yeah, to what you, you, Microvision you, does. So. You, you, and you see it as a, it's a growth market. It's a growth Absolutely. area. Autonomous, uh, autonomous vehicles are coming fast. We know that yeah. they're coming yeah. fast. The next 10 yeah. years, it's going to explode. And it's not just that um, it's not just autonomy you're talking about it's also virtual reality augmented reality oh know, yeah right manipulated warp reality. like that that's also <clears throat> the space that they're in and when you see these things where they talk about um uh i think it was like market watch Some, somebody was watching one of one of the other uh, major companies was writing about how the augmented reality space is like a 20 something or some odd billion dollar industry over the course of the next few years, like 200 sure. billion, it's some crazy. Just number, like, but... e- yeah, just like EVs, green tech. Right, right. Stuff that, it's yeah, talking about totally. how it's going to take off. And we're just, we're just scratching the surface of it. Yeah. We haven't even gotten into that space yet. So find, find those, man. That's where it's exciting. Yeah. Sorry. I'll go my soapbox. I love it. It's great. It's good stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, due right, diligence cheer. is a very, due diligence gives you that conviction. Uh, for the yeah. trade that uh, Absolutely. the trades that you want to make, and I, I think that's I awesome. I meant it as a compliment, Bob. I really no, did. no, no. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I, I did take it as a compliment. I just, yeah. I just, sorry, I, I got you got excited. Tangents. I know. I got excited. I got <laughs> you and your you and your <laughs> microphone. One is about the space between the trades. The space between the trades. I like space to quote between us between the trades. <laughs> I like to outside. cite. Debussy's quote, uh, composer, that music is the space between the notes because an analogous statement is about trading. Trading is the space between the trades. It is so strikingly appropriate. You make your money in sitting. After spending many years on Wall Street and after making and losing millions of dollars, I want to tell you this. It was never my thinking that made the big money for me. It was always my sitting. Got that? Oh, my sitting tight. Interesting. Jeez. Interesting. Oh, Bob, drop your mic. Dude. <laughs> don't really, don't really, don't really drop it. Don't really drop it. It's a nice microphone. Um, wow. Yeah, it's huge. That yeah, is, that exactly. Is. We're on own worst enemy. A lot of times it's like, just be patient. Be patient. I mean, yeah. wow. Totally. Is, I, you know, it, it, yeah. it has, yeah. I, it's, um, you do have to let that sink in because if you step back and think we've all been there, we've all been there where we've seen something go, uh, uh, whether it's a stock or, or the market go in a certain way where you do want to react because it's the opposite of what maybe you're convinced it's going to do. Uh-huh. 
And so when we get so tied up in our convictions that when something doesn't go in that, that manner, it's your, your damage control. Yeah. You're not understanding any, any other stimulus, you know, stimulus to that movement that could have maybe caused it that you just need to, Hey, take a deep breath, stop, collect yourself, wait, let's see, you know, let me, yeah. Can I mention something on the macro level on that? Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, you know, we are, we are now old enough that we, and, and we've been investing long enough that, you know, anyone who doesn't want to do a lot of like complicated stuff, but just, but does want to make money in the long run and be invested. I don't know what a better proof of concept you could have than investing in, let's just say the S&P 500 and a couple of van, uh, Vanguard funds or ETFs than this. We've lived through 9-11, recessions, housing crash, wars, now a pandemic. And here's yeah. the thing, guys. The market, yes, it crashed and went down at certain times. But if you look over the arc of all those things, it went up a lot. It still went up. So yeah. someone that bought a bunch of stock in 9-11 when everybody, when the world was going through turmoil, right? Very bad. The world was going through turmoil, just like we hit this pandemic recently, and the world has been going through turmoil. But th the market for anyone who just basically dollar cost average, I know I'm I'm simplifying this and we're getting out of trading, but you you see the point here. The the, the guy is saying, hey, if you sometimes just sit tight, okay, yeah. just sit tight. We weather the storm. Weather the storm. I mean yeah. the storm. The storms get mm -hmm. weathered. I mean because. Because storms get weathered because humanity wants to move on. Humanity wants to live on. People mm -hmm. want to live their lives. They want to buy housing. They want to have food. They want to go on vacations. They want to have nice things. They want to raise their families. They want to educate their kids. All right. these things take services and products and an economy and great companies to make happen. Right. And so th those things through thick and thin, my, my point is, if it all fell apart, like, you got much bigger issues than the stock market. You're not going to be running around like, well, great. I, you know, it's Armageddon and, you know, uh, it's a zombie apocalypse, but great. My stocks did well. No one's going to care. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway. Okay. okay maybe, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I missed the point, but does that make sense? I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, just sit I think tight. It, it speaks in it. it um, I mean, I will say though, th there are, I don't know if this is, I don't necessarily, is it maybe devil's advocate, but um, there are people that have gone through this pandemic and losing jobs, right? And and not having an income, being able to put you know, food on the table, paying rent, utilities on and sorts, right? Because they lost their job. And unfortunately, you had a stock market that had seen its highest highs when a large number of people weren't working. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It is also hard, I guess, to the opposite to a point, though, what you're saying, Greg, is that um, uh, there would be people who would argue against that because they did maybe feel it a little more and they hurt because they they didn't get to reap the rewards and benefits of a market that was booming when they're mm -hmm. struggling to get by. And I think when we as a nation, when everybody is doing well and everybody's working, having a job, being able to get by and maybe being able to enjoy life through splurging in certain ways. Mm -hmm. um, I think us as a nation and our economy should reflect that as well. Not and I think we're going to get back to that. I, I think mean, we will. Booms and busts. Yeah. Right. I mean, 
you know. I, so you know, I I I don't think we're too far fetched from seeing possibly a, a, a correction in, in our market at some point in the future. Of course, always we need it. We need it though. We need <laughs> it though. And I think yeah. that's you know, the thing is, but we also need you know people to be able to to bring an income that can help stimulate the market as well. So we need to start bringing those people back into it. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Great points, Bob. I mean, and I just, I have known this whole thing. He, he emphasizes in this quote, he says it twice. It was always my sitting. And he says, got that. And then he <laughs> says, my sitting tight. With yes. an exclamation point. Yes. Yeah. He yeah. is like really trying to emphasize. He, he's trying just to like slap still. the person in the face with this and say, don't move and stop thinking and sit. Yeah. Because yeah. you just sit and chill out. It's it's really it's really a great point. I, I have known, I have known many people throughout all those crises that I named, and I'm, I know I'm exaggerating to make a point by bringing up crises because the market goes up and down. But I've known people through all of those crises that have basically told me the minute everything tanked, they were like, "Oh, I sold it all. I'm in cash." That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. And you're just like, and and every time, you know, and you know, back when a lot of these earlier things happened. I was a very young man, but I was, but I was thinking like, I was like, I don't know, really? You're just, I mean, like, I I was like, the world will never recover from the great recession. The world will never recover from nine 11 and move on. Like life will never go on after thousands of years of human history. And the answer is no, it will go on. And the, the, the life will go on after a pandemic. This will end. In fact, I think we're at the beginning of the end. Good traders would rather make money than be right. And also to kind of go with that, good traders often change their minds. Okay. I mean, let me just say this. These are hallmarks of a mature person that has their <laughs> ego in check. I mean, really, these are these are huge things because they're more than they're it's more than investing and trading. These are life lessons, right? Yeah. Because to be a uh, evolved good, I'm not good, good is the wrong word, but to be a person that has reached, I think, a higher state of consciousness Mm -hmm. and can be more effective in the world, you have to be able to change your mind, right? And you have to, right? And you have to not be right sometimes. You have to have the ego in check enough to say, you know, people got to give themselves a break. We're human beings. We don't, we're not all knowing. We will make mistakes. Right. We're not all knowing all powerful beings. That's not the nature of what we're doing here. Yeah. So I think that's huge, man. Just huge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All these, all these are great, Jerry. Cool. Uh, Blowing my mind. Every, <laughs> every show, every show. <laughs> all right. I'll leave with uh, one more kind of final, final one. It, it has to do with kind of diversification. We've all grown up kind of with uh, 60, 40, 70, 30, right? What, what, what are we talking about? We're talking mm-hmm. about uh, Vanguard index funds and S and P's. And then you've got your, your bond funds or your bonds, right? Why, mm-hmm. why do we do that? Risk management. Right. Exactly. We want when when one goes down, the other goes up. When the other goes up, the other one goes down. You've kind of got this sort of uh, we've all believed, you know, that's that's the proper way to do it. But really, if you dive in a level deeper, I think it's more about correlations. And mm-hmm. and you look at the correlations of your overall portfolio of all your assets, of your Bitcoin, of your S&P 500, of your real estate funds, of your bonds, of your agricultural commodities and oil and natural gas and everything. What you want to try and do if, you, if you're really um, smart is you want to try and find lots of positions that are not correlated with each other or maybe have inverse mm. correlation. So, mm. so that being said, that's kind of sets the framework for the next uh, quote. 
Um, one of the traders says, if I see that I am concentrated in positions that are all moving together, I will either reduce my position or put on a position that will be inversely correlated. You know, so bonds and stocks, historically, they've always been kind of inversely correlated. Lately, not so much. Um, mm -hmm. Bitcoin and the dollar, um, they're probably a little more inversely correlation, but that seems to be breaking down a little bit too. But it's just it's just good to think about it. Like, I love Apple. I would love to buy more Apple. And I have capital to buy more Apple. But do I really need more Apple? Do I need another FANG stock mm. that, that moves just like everything else I have? I think Probably not. I think no. So that's why I'm, you know, I'm adding some real estate ETFs. I'm adding corn. I'm adding uh, oil. Whatever, whatever commodities. Yeah, just that, just different that, things that wow. I don't have exposure to that will not necessarily move like the S and P five hundred. Well, and Jerry, you brought it up. You, you mentioned it. I've read a lot about this lately with Bitcoin. People are trying to think of it as an alternative that's not correlating with things. Yes. They're trying to think, and we don't really know what it correlates with yet, like you said. But um, but but people are 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 thinking like, yeah, if, if this is if this if I'm over here and I'm over here, well, maybe Bitcoin's another area. You know, they keep saying like the digital gold, but who knows? It might become its own thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, in my mind, it's becoming its own. Um, it, you know, and I, I know everyone's going to, people argue with this and they say this and that, but it, it's becoming like its own asset class. Um, and I don't, I don't know if there's any turning back at this point. I mean, though, some people will say it's not an asset, um, and it's not a stock and it's not a currency and it's not this. Well, if it's not anything, but it is something, then it's something new, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's gotta be it's something because every people are piling tons of money into it and it has a market and it's going up and down and. So it's some, but anyway, I just, I love it because, um, one reason I've been adding some, some Bitcoin and ETH and other things and, and doggy coin now, you know, is that, um, it, again, it, the, the, I, I have stuff in other areas. Like you said, I've got some international, I've got some bonds, I've got, I've got the fang stocks and the, and the growth stocks and all that. I've got some real estate, some hard real estate. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, well, I mean, maybe I'll put this over in Bitcoin and see what this does. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Just look yeah. at a lot of different asset class and there are, fabulous websites just google correlation uh of different stocks and and uh asset classes and you'll 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 find like three month rolling correlations and you can i'm starting to look at that with crypto too i've i've been very interested in the fact that bitcoin is not correlated at all with dogecoin so that's a plus for me because because i already have so you know bitcoin and i just bought some eth a little bit yeah. a little bit today um and now i've got another coin that has no relationship to bitcoin as it is right now so I'm happy about that. That's awesome. Well, guys, it was awesome. This was fun. I love talking fun. about this stuff, and I could go on and on and on, but let's uh, we got to end this somewhere. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I, I just want to end it by saying uh, thank you so much to all of our listeners. Our, our audience base is, is growing quite a bit lately, and uh, we are really grateful for you listening. And uh, share us with other people, if you don't mind. Um, you know, and even if you're in England or Canada or Africa or Asia or wherever you're at uh, or in the good old USA, um, yeah, share us if you can, because uh, we enjoy doing this and we and it's definitely helping us to talk about things and we hope it helps you as well. So, hey, guys, nice talking with you all and see you next week. We are not financial professionals and this podcast is designed for entertainment purposes only. We are regular folks who do research and present opinions to an audience in a fun way. 
Our opinions should not be construed with the views of any organizations we may be affiliated with. This podcast does not represent the thoughts, intentions, plans, strategies of our employers. It only represents the opinions of the authors. If you need specific guidance on your own financial situation, please consult a financial fiduciary professional.